0: Wednesday already. (laughs) Welcome to the next installment of the S.U.S. News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host on time today, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hey, Gene.
1: I I am on time and happy to be here, Patrick, and uh, looking forward to another good show.
0: Well, that's what you're going to get here, another good show. Um, back from Washington, D.C., I had to, um, that was interesting getting out of that, but I mean, flying cross-country is such a joy. You know, I know uh, that you you appreciate it, Gene, but I especially love it. It's great. 30
1: hours for 2,000 miles, you know, hey. <laughs> what
2: were you doing yeah. in DC?
0: I was at the AUVSI Unmanned Systems 2013, and we did do a show from uh, from there, and it was pretty interesting. Uh, kind of see what was going on there, and I think that kind of leads into this show. And this show is uh, R-Kappa, and I titled it 10 Years of R-Kappa, but actually it's only nine and nine-plus years. We're rolling into year 10, and our guest is our uh, capa President, Remote Control Aerial Photography Association President Rick Conley. Rick, uh, say hello to the, the listeners.
2: Hello, everyone. Happy Wednesday. <laughs>
0: that, sounds, that sounds very enthusiastic. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, you know, what? one thing I think we need to point out to our listeners is that You may note that there is a real casual kind of air to this show because we have been talking on the phone literally for 10 years, and some of the the marathon conversations that we had back in 2004, 2005, whenever it was, working on the community-based standards, let me tell you what, everybody got to know everybody on the phone. Am I right?
0: Yeah, well, and and at the uh, ASTM meeting from 2005, I still have that right here under the desk, all of the stuff, and, and I'm not going to break it out. Because, you know, it really the thing that really cracks me up is sometimes it'll be uh, hard to hear people over the microphones, but if you're rustling any paper, it comes through loud and clear. <laughs> I don't know if you've listened to some of the podcasts. On the plane, I got an opportunity to listen to three or four of them. Man, are they good. <laughs> Except for the paper rustling and the water drinking. <laughs> and the wind
1: noise. And the. Yeah, the-
0: I think what we're going to have to do is, like, you know, you have to take a Prozac two hours before the deal, and we'll get that horn music. (laughs) And today, Gene, what do you have to say? We'll we'll bring it down a couple of notches. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Rick, um, you know, a lot of people don't know they're like oh that's that patrick egan guy he's a a, you know grand poobah of r kappa but that's not really true i uh we we actually do have a president sometimes handler his name's rick conley and uh, rick could you do a little bio for the listeners who you are where you came from um, (laughs) things like that
2: not really long and long-winded i you know went to flight school at embry riddle and worked in the aviation field on turbine engines for quite a while and now make composite parts for non-critical composite parts for aircraft and some UAV, UAS parts and help people design them occasionally. And um, back in the early 2000s, I was playing around with aerial photography and it was kind of the wild, wild west days where prior to LIPOs coming out, it was You know, the payloads were heavy and the cameras were pretty rudimentary. You had a 1.3 megapixel, you were living large. And uh, then lipos came in, and it it really expanded the range of what you could do when we were soldering them together and stuff. And Gene and I were talking, like, we really need a voice for the community because Gene and I both had um, aviation experience. And we're seeing some things that kind of made the the hair on the back of your neck curl as far as... Uh, people that didn't have any aviation background, what they're doing, flying right up against the airports and, you know, some of the things they're doing that none of not really want to repeat. You're like, whoa, we need a voice and if we could have a cohesive group, if you will, um, you know, just like any AOPA or, you know, uh, NRA or whatever, you know, that, to have a like-minded group of people with a voice and kind of can come up with ideas. So we tried to come up with some basic operating guidelines and we went out and got um uh found out a company that would uh write insurance for this which was very difficult at one time and but they kind of went in a different direction than than we wanted them to and we're currently talking with some other folks that seem more like-minded and kind of understand it a little better and that's what we were trying to do um with the group and then in 2007 the FAA came out and basically said the uh, commercial operations are illegal. So we've been kind of in a screensaver mode and a little frustrated for the last six years trying to figure out how to get the word out. And that's what we've spent a lot of time doing. People call you up and say, I've got 20 grand. I want to start a, you know, X, Y, Z business flying a UAV, whether it's infrared or pictures, whatever. And you'd say, like, technically it's illegal. And we've been frustrated that there really hasn't been a a focal point, and a, and a well, uh, something you could point people to with the FAA easily. Say, look, this is the rules. This is what they're saying, and I, it, it's been tough. I don't know anybody. Have...
0: Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, that's that's a good synopsis. So I think you covered uh, <clears throat> a lot of real estate there. So what we will do is we will go back and do some forensics on that and now let Gene jump in here. Gene's usually pretty quiet. He has you know, he's reserved on this subject.
2: <laughs>
1: so go
0: ahead. I well, you know, wanna...
1: if you if you hearken back to those early days that Rick talked about, that voice that that uh, Rick and I envisioned as a part of our Kappa came to fruition because they got you, Patrick, on the um, arc, and yes, one of the that things is. that that we've discovered and that we've we are continuing to see is the revolving door that goes on in the FAA. Rick and I were just discussing this about how difficult it is to to, to nail one person down or, or to get uh, you know one Lack person of
2: accountability. Down.
1: I didn't say that. I didn't say that. thank you, Rick. But actually, uh, you know, being able to—and this is Rick's idea. I mean, he he really kind of put it together when he said that there is no real focal point. I mean, sure, there are people that that we have names that we can talk to and and we can numbers that we can call, but uh, is that is that a broad enough? Uh, sort of indicator for us that the small guy is being taken care of. Well I think we know the answer to that. Hmm, but right. uh, you know our kappa, I, I still think that our kappa is is viable and uh, it's something that uh you know we need to probably resurrect because a voice right now is something that we really need. Well, you
0: know there's there's several things. I mean um <clears throat> you know we didn't I mean I, I kinda kept up on it and I you know, I don't. I, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, well, it's hard to know what you guys are doing." And we tried to do the Aricapa reporter, and everybody remembers that and the conference calls that we had with that, and it was good, but it was a little, um, it was a little loose and fast, and we didn't have the readership or the the, the voice that we needed. I felt, but it, it was starting. Um, you know, we we accomplished a lot. There were a lot of things that Aricapa accomplished, but you know. Um, Rick is right about the screensaver mode. I mean, people always say that. Well, you know, why did you guys kind of slow down? Well, you know, if you're going to interface with the regulator, you have to kind of buy off on their policy. You can't say, oh, well, you know, their policy is uh, BS, which it might be, but and we're going to discuss law, but we want to work with them. You don't have any credibility, so you got to kind of go with the program. So, yes, was on the ark, yada, yada. Um, you know, unfortunately, when I had to take that job with the Navy, I had asked my commander at the time if I could, you know, most of it was field work out in the middle of nowhere um, where you didn't have any comms. In Yomastan? In yes, out in the desert. Um, you didn't know you were in, in Afghanistan except that uh, I don't think they got killer bees over there. But uh, it's kind of just as hot, smelt like poo, um, and you were out in the middle of nowhere. And anyway, so then I asked the commander. I said, "Hey, you know, is it, I'm I'm really, uh, you know, in this uh, integration effort. And is there any way I could be posted somewhere like at a desk with a landline because I'm doing this?" And I was accused of moonlighting, <laughs> and I was like, "No." I'm not really making any money on this, and it's kind of important. But anyway, the work we were doing was really important. It was a rapid deployment thing. So I it just didn't fit in. I just didn't have time for it, and I couldn't do it. And it wasn't like I didn't want to do it, or I just fell off the turnip truck. I just had no choice, you know. You got lives at stake over here, and I had to do that. So, uh, but as of late, you know, people are people are starting to realize, here's here's the thing, and I, and I think that the business exposition... What m- might have really been catalyst for that and talking about it with people is they're starting to to understand that this technology can't really serve two masters. And what I mean by that is, is you have the military side of this, what has which has its own part in place, and and that's true. But it really hit home for me. One and Gene, you probably remember this from the Small Unmanned Systems Business Expo, is we didn't have any protesters. At a UVSI just recently there were protesters, and I thought, oh hey, you should have let me talk to them. You know, I could have talked to these people. They're from Berkeley. I know it's cooking. But then I thought about it. Really, I'd have nothing to say because as soon as we try and march them through the hall and say, oh hey, we want to do this, first gun they see, first uh, hellfire missile, first you know picture of a guy in camo, or a uh, predator or whatever, uh, your credibility's blown. It's just plain and simple. You're done. What what are you gonna say? Anyone want to comment on that?
1: Were you trying to tell us, Patrick, that uh, there were some automated weapons on display at this show in, in Washington, D.C.?
0: Mm. There were a couple of guns, and there were, uh, you know, wing pods with hellfires on them and, and whatnot, Um you know, for me, it's pretty simple. It's like, you know what? I don't really want to fight that perception battle. I don't really have time or the resources to fight a perception battle for multi-billion dollar corporations.
1: That's kind no, of you it. Know, show. I, I think you you came up with a little slogan the other day. What was it?
0: Oh, about the no military, no police, no no controversy. Was that the one? That's
1: it. That's it. I, I think that needs to be a phrase that we kind of hang or have. And you might want to put civilian drones in front of it.
2: Yeah, that's
0: not a bad idea. I'm working
1: at
2: I the new – go ahead. I think the military stuff that you see on the news with drones and all this is a double-edged sword because it shows the military aspect of it, which we're not part of, obviously, and really have no desire to be. But it has created an awareness within folks that that are these capabilities out there of this type of aircraft. I mean, not the killing capacity or ability, but that they can fly. You can go long ranges. You can take pictures. Like just recently on Good Morning America, I think, two days ago, they were showing drones taking pictures of people on the border down in Nogales. I mean, that kind of stuff is opening people's eyes, and it's creating more of a demand, I believe, for People wanting to fly unmanned aerial
0: vehicles in a civilian way in the U.S. Would oh, you and I would agree with that. Yeah, I'd concur with that. But I, I mean, the difference is, it's like <clears throat> you know, um, this industry has been riding those coattails uh, for for years, and really, well, that's where the know, money
2: is. That's what's driving it. it.
0: It is. That is where the money is. But you know, the the thing is, is the the let's say um, those opposed like to use the broad brush of you know. You ask most people that are let's say on the other end of the side of the fence here. You know, what what is it? What's a drone? You know, that's that gray bulbous thing with uh, hellfire missiles on it. You know, looks like a whale. Okay, you know. That's not what we want to do. The other thing that really kind of bugs me, and I had called this one too, and not being the futurist, just objective observer uh, from the community. I mean, and, I, and I'm sure everyone remi- remembers this, but, you know, when the police got a hold of this, man, they were their own worst enemy. The, You know, I mean, look at the privacy thing. Holy moly. I mean, people came unglued, you know. Um in the, uh, the
2: sheriff's department in LA, <laughs> they got shut down.
0: Well, they got shut down oh, yeah. by the FAA, but I mean, nobody right, really at the time was whining about per- privacy. That I yeah.
2: remember. Well, it's both. I mean, part of it is people are buying these and don't realize the the, the rules and regulations involved with, them. and people are worried about there- the privacy
0: issue. Well, there is that, and there's another whole other wave of that coming on. But the, the main point with that is, is you know, the DoD or asymmetrical warfare overlay onto the American public not interested. The next one, now this is one thing and we talked about it from on last week's show is everyone's going ag, and and I'm apprehensive about that because people, you know, oh, you know, ag is for the little guy. Well, get ready because the big boys are going to roll out. They're all going to be precision agriculture. And I think you're going to have the same thing. You're going to be perceived as putting the asymmetrical warfare overlay onto the farm and the surrounding communities. And I don't think that's going to work. You know, and so you have to say to yourself, okay, well, who do I you know, who do I want to support with my limited dollars for my limited income streams? Do I want to support the small business community or do I want to support the DOD vendor? Because basically, those are your choices. And that's, that's that's the the, the the I guess, the crux of the biscuit here with the R Kappa. And people saying, you know, I really was counting on R Kappa to, to, to carry the torch for us. And this is globally. I mean, that is one thing. R Kappa is known throughout the world as the only small business association that has done anything. And I mean, I'm not deriding anyone else, but, you know, I mean, we, we've done uh, a lot of stuff. Do you want to elaborate on that, you guys? I don't want to be the only horn tutor here.
1: Well, I think uh, one of the things that would help significantly is is we might want to explore some way to raise some funds for our Kappa because, as we have discussed before many times over the three of us, it takes money to do the sort of lobbying and the advocacy that we would yeah. like to do.
2: And we've poured thousands and thousands of dollars into this that people don't see.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's even, I, I would tell people, it's even larger. I don't think that they really understand or grasp the scale when you start talking about trying to change policy and laws at the federal level. One thing that the RCAP really had going for it is, is we've, you know, got these 2,000 members that have been hanging in limbo. But when you talk to uh, elected representatives, you say, hey, you know, it's a grassroots organization. We've got members in every state we're just small business guys you get in here and you know that ear is hard to come by however you know the part of the accountability thing is we have not been able to keep up the pressure on the FAA no one holds the FAA accountable and that's that is just the facts
2: so what well you did i 100% agree with that there is no accountability with the FAA to really do anything i don't think there's any pressure i don't think I mean, we've been talking to people for six or seven, eight years. That well, why gonna, you are you going to – go ahead. I'm go sorry, ahead. I stepped on you. No, no, you
0: go oh, ahead. Oh, I you was guess. just saying
2: that – no, I've just – you know, we've all heard, you know, there's a thing that's going to come out of the national national register that everybody can comment, really clarifying this. We've been hearing that for eight years. It's always, well, it's going to come out in the spring. It's going to come out in the winter. It just never does. And I, I don't think anybody's really – has their feet to the fire to, to really address the issue with any clarity. I don't well, know how you guys do about that, but I think that's been a big problem.
0: Well, here's, and, it comes, comes right down to this. Okay. So you have some of the other bigger companies that are doing this and, and, and people will tell you that all of the DOD vendors want everybody in the air. And I'm calling well, horse Pucky on that one. However, so put pick, just put yourself in a position let's just say of uh you know a big uh let's say manufacturer the lazy bee just for example um you know you think they're going to go in there and kick somebody in the shins over unmanned aircraft when you have part 121 aircraft that you're selling all over the place and military aircraft and all the rest of that heck no tech no that's not happening So there is no one that, I I mean, even myself, I'm like the only guy that will even ask questions. And I'm like labeled as like this pariah, you know, and and the questions, the hard ones are. um, Now, you've said you need data, and I'm not mentioning any names of who I've asked, but I've asked this over the last several years. Okay, you say you need data. What type of data do you need? Oh, my God, this guy's a hothead. He's a blowtorch. I mean, that, that's what we're dealing here with here. We're, we're dealing with something that's kind of a um, a very skewed perspective. You have a hierarchy of people who are treated in, in this office, the, the unmanned program office or even unmanned integration, yada, yada, whatever we're calling the iteration these days, are basically more, not middle managers, but kind of a rock starry. Uh, they junk it around the world. People, you know, oh, you know, ooh, whatever they say. And no one um, really, let's say, asks them any questions or challenges them. If they are, their back room, um, you know, things like that. So you don't have anyone really advocating for this. So that's that's the role that the Arc Kappa filled. And I really think that we, we did at one time prior um, even to, you know, getting on the Arc, we had some traction and some street cred. And we still have that. The only thing we don't have is money, but I think people are starting to realize that you know advocacy at this level costs money. It's going to cost money, you know. I don't. I can't think of any like business group that doesn't have an advocacy group working for it. Anybody care to comment on that?
2: I agree.
0: Right, I agree. It just comes with the territory, Gene. Going to put you on the spot.
2: That's all I oh. Did we lose Gene?
0: Well, yes, he just got rooted big and <laughs> Anyway, the uh this happens. Technology's grand. Um, you know, uh it's just that it's come to that point. But I do think that, you know, uh, one thing and, and you weren't at the expo this year, uh Rick, but next year I think you we're gonna have to put you on the docket to speak at the expo. Um is uh these aren't even at the expo i think a lot of people uh thought well you know there's going to be a room full of real estate photographers and i'm not deriding real estate photographers but there are people in the room that you know have got 20 something million dollars of venture capital 10 million dollars 5 million dollars venture capitalists were in the room uh people that are doing things i heard from a, a lot of the people from the bigger companies wanted to come to the show and, but they were denied the travel funds. But the point with that is, is that the, the industry is starting to get serious, and there's people with money. And uh, I, I think you know, between the two, um, that the the community is growing up a little bit, and there being a little bit of real money in this deal. That uh, but we we may have some people that will actually step up to the plate and not grouse. You know, I mean, in, in the past we had people grouse about a membership fee of forty five or fifty dollars. Oh, Guys will be spending my money. You know, do you want to go there? That one makes me sick. Gene, you were gonna um, wax poetically here, and then you got rutabegged. So give us the uh, give us the this, 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 this stuff.
1: This is why I'll probably never use cellular frequencies for command and control. <laughs>
0: There oh, goes
1: Verizon right there. You know, we had them
0: online for $200,000, and Gene just, you know, no, I'm teasing. Go ahead, Gene.
1: No, I was, I was just going to concur, and, and unfortunately, you know, with the, with the cutoff there, there's been a, a train wreck because I had to dial numbers and everything, and I rebooted. So we'll just have to continue on with the well, conversation.
0: I mean, and- all right. Well, you know, I, we were just kind of going over the uh, – you know, the it was difficult for people to put up money and and all the rest of that for and and I mean on a certain under I, I kind of understand because you have a situation where you don't have any legal income streams it's it's a little tough to throw
2: yeah money but you know it what's out. ironic is when we were talking to these people a lot of them had tens of thousands of dollars to put into equipment for stuff that was kind of a gray area early on and with whether you could use it but they they didn't they didn't seem to see any validity in, in in trying to you know help an organization be a voice and help what they're trying to do to be legal and have some good um working guidelines that you know everybody can agree to and work to and and i i just always thought that was completely ironic i mean i'm sure patrick and gina field phone calls I and mean, we all have oh yeah i've got 20 grand i want to put it in a business of 30 grand i mean but they, they didn't want to put any money towards working to to make sure it was illegal. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but I, I know we've all had this conversation.
0: doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I'm still talking. I'm, I'm talking now. There was, uh, again, at the SUSB Expo, there was uh, lots of venture capital there lots of venture capital and they all want in and they're asking me you know well what you know what 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 companies are good and you know what what's bad and I'm like you know realistically you know some money has to be put into the advocacy effort and if we had some money for the advocacy effort I think we could affect some change I really do I mean I think we could really press these I mean sure we could the the Kappa has the archives the information and has done the work to be listened yes, the, to.
2: Well, the other thing that the FAA had pointed out, you know, this is years back that they really didn't want to have to police the, 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 I don't know, for lack of a better word, the smaller UAVs, like what, what we seem to be dealing most with. They, they didn't have the resources, which they don't. No, and they didn't they really don't. want to have to be out there with their, you know, little tin badge and try and police it. Cause it's too much. and, they really wanted an advocacy group like we have, or we were we were involved with, and they saw some validity into it. But things fell apart uh, again when they they came in 2007 and said basically illegal, and we had to take the high road. When people would ask us that, like, no, you really can't, and we were perceived as telling people the sky was falling, which was hard on us as a group in general because people were like, well, why would I want to be part of you if you're telling me what I'm doing is illegal? Yeah. We've been we've yeah. been stuck in a catch twenty two. But we've always taken the high road on this, and um even prior to this we were we were accused of uh working with the f a a and, and again, it was due to gene and my back our background we looked at this and go it's it's inevitable it's inevitable that this is going to happen, and you know maybe we could it off to the past where if we're proactive rather than reactive we we can do something, but unfortunately we're reactive right now.
0: Well, we'd, and, uh, you know, I remember telling people at the time that really, I mean, if we were more organized um, and and put, you know, even if I think about it now, you know, something in the tens of thousands into it back then, which we wound up doing over multiple years, but really it was, there was a concerted effort. And I don't want to say that we, we uh, totally went it alone because there were people that helped us out and there were people that donated money and facilitated uh, me being on the arc I think that we got screwed on the ARC, but we could still use that ARC to as leverage in the future. The um, And I was going to add a pretty good point. Well, I think
2: it. the ARC opened your eyes to the bigger picture of what was going on, and <clears throat> for lack of a better word, to see how it was being driven um, through right. the larger corporations. And, and the, the little guy, if you will, the smaller UAPs were not really a major consideration a lot of people didn't no. really seem to even understand it, and we've even talked to some people with the FAA that says, "Oh yeah, I go out to an AMA field and I, I know what they do out there, and that's how you guys fly." And we're like, "You know, the AMA doing stunts and you know people flying their plane for for fun is different than somebody with a payload, a lot of money invested in an aircraft trying to go up and get a picture. It's slow and steady grandma flying. Like when I was a flight instructor." You know, he's like, you need to learn how to do grandma landings so they're nice and smooth when you take your mom up for a ride. Typically, that's how the type of flying we do. You know, you're trying to get down with a payload, whichever that would be, pictures, uh, you know, infrared images or whatever. And that's the perception of what we do. I think sometimes people really don't understand it, you know, because they'll go to an AMA field or see how people fly. I don't know if you guys, I think Patrick got a taste of that years ago.
0: I did. I, uh, you know, and then I was even told on the arc. I mean, this one was a real uh, hide chapper. You know, we would go to these uh, meetings all around the country, and actually, someone from ATO was supposed to see me demo the cracker barrel, you know, and uh, which the whole deal was just weird. You know, as I had to fill out ten pages of paperwork to get on to the Dryden NASA Dryden facility, but I was all stoked about that. that, you know, here we are, X plane and the Cracker Barrel. You know, and uh, but I couldn't fly there, and I had to get an AMA membership to demo a commercial aircraft at an AMA field and a waiver. It's just really bizarre. Uh, and but anyway, I spent all this money, went out there, did it, and and the ATO representative who shall remain nameless. Said she said I'm not going to waste the taxpayers' money to go see an RC aircraft fly. I know what they do, and I go well. You have you seen me fly? Have you seen a commercial operation? No, no, no. Okay, great. So then, in other words, I just dropped 2,500 bucks to come down here and do a demo for the FAA, which you didn't, and nobody from your office even witnessed. So who's, whose whose money is being wasted here? You know, we're trying to regulate this. This is the inanity that I've had to deal with. And and it goes back, and I do remember my point now. The point was, is if we had a little bit of cohesion and money back in 2006, like instead of people attacking us and all the rest of that nonsense, we would not, and I firmly believe this, we would not be in the position that we are today. Um,
1: well, I don't think it's too late,
2: myself. I don't, I don't think it's too late for us to resurrect it.
0: I don't think it's too late. However, no, it's going to be more expensive.
2: more expensive. Just like the new FAA clarification of policy that came out at the end of July kind of cements things more in the direction they're going and, and making it even difficulter for what we're trying to do. I don't know if anybody, <laughs> the viewers out there, are taking time to read that. I don't know. Well, we uh, posted on that. S- to- yeah, it's worth the people that are listening to this kind of not really understanding it, it's worth taking the time to go to that news site and click on the link and read that because, you know, if you have to have a pilot certificate, you know, second-class medical, all those things are making it, it it very restrictive to do what we're trying to do. I think everybody would agree on that, correct? Well. go ahead, Gene.
1: Good. Should anyone uh, like the number of that document that is in, as in November, eight, nine or zero, zero dot two two seven, you can Google that up on your inner tube and pull it down yourself and take a read. It's only 43 pages, and it is highly recommended for those folks who yes. are considering yes getting into the uh, unmanned aircraft
2: business. Or for people that are doing it, because it it's a game changer to a certain extent.
0: Well, the thing that it does is 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 every bit of this regulation kind of erodes the viability of the unmanned system. Because I mean, you know, you know, even you know, we talk about the ag thing. I mean, people are all over the map with this. You know, I just got to get a picture of Farmer Brown's wheat, and I'm in. You know, I'm I'm
2: gonna make two thousand dollars a
0: day, and yada yada yada. Okay, well, it does bring the
2: interpreters out of the woodwork.
1: It does. Yeah, I'd like to make just a little statement here about uh, something very telling in the document, and uh, specifically it's uh, uh, item 11.A.2, and I'm just going to throw this out there. This is for uh, airworthiness certification, Uh, It's what you would need to do to get your aircraft in the air. And the examples that they cite, and I'm going to give you, there's four of them, I'm going to give you all four of them. The first one is the, the Department of Defense DoD Handbook, MIL HDBK 5516B, for Ooh. airworthiness certification criteria. The Ooh. second one, Air Force Policy Directive, Ooh. aircraft airworthiness certification, 62 6. The third one, Army Regulations, 70 62, on aircraft systems. And then last but not least, Naval Air Systems Command Instruction. Now, right. tell, me tell me who is doing the influencing on this. Now, they did say, I will say that this is examples of acceptable policy criteria that they include but are not limited to. But did they mention one civilian standard? Did they even say that there was one that you could look at? No. They are regulating by making it. So onerous for the small guy.
0: That it'll never yeah. Well, you know, I mean, even anybody who's followed DR Kappa, I mean, I, I uh, part of the arc thing. I mean, I, I had called that one years ago. Like we, we talked about last week. The you have the type certifications for commercial ops for the In Situ, uh, Scan Eagle, and the Av Puma. And that was exactly what I said was going to happen. And they're going to take all of that nice program of record DOD stuff, rubber stamp it, run it through, and these guys were going to fly. So that leads us back to full circle to the reconstitution of the R-Kappa because at the time, the, the standards and stuff were starting to, to gel. And people may remember when I was talking about the old Hail Mary play, that we're going to run out of time. This, uh, all these standards are going to be cockamamie. Um, everything people are going to be pulling stuff out of the sky and hurrying up to to try and get something for these uh, congressional mandated deadlines. That's exactly what's happening, and that stuff's starting to gel up. And if we don't get back into the uh, standards effort. And 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 like you know stuff the canary and the coal mine you are gonna be stuck making and flying, the the two aforementioned products, and so everything you make. What are the current
2: ticket prices of those these days? You well,
0: ideas? you know I've here for everything you need to fly for Scan Eagle if you needed one is probably around a million bucks. And then the Puma system, everything. If you were going to buy that, you would probably be about a half a million bucks for a system. You get several planes and a ground station.
2: Oh, However, like a deal.
0: It is a deal, and uh, the only problem with that is, is you're, you know, when you when you inject that price tag into the cost of sales, you're going to be uh, better off buying the one seven two and doing it. And we know that that already doesn't work. So you do the math. Do, are those
2: available out. to civilian individuals? or No, you, they're could, not. Could they're you go not. knock on the door and say, here's my half a million, I want a Puma? Or no, I, uh, I don't know.
1: You know, that, that is an interesting point. Now, now, if you bring it up, now, those are considered classified.
2: Right. So, so, okay. you know, so the specs are built around military aircraft. And... Even if you wanted to, it sounds like it'd be very difficult to get into get one if you could even well, afford it.
0: Let me just give so, you an example. Now I I came by a wing and and I'm trying to you know, discern what the price is on a wing.
2: Just the wing. What do you mean by wing? You need to be clarified. For for one I'm of zero. the aircraft you're talking about? Yes. Okay. And, All right. uh,
0: So I came by this wing, and I'm uh, trying to figure out how much uh, a new wing would cost because it's broken. But, uh, I mean, I had asked that question, and I will tell you that highly surprised that I was able to even find a wing at all. And then, uh, you know, trying to ask for pricing was a whole other thing. There was no, I mean, I can't buy a wing. So the point I'm trying to make with that is exactly like you're saying that these are military systems. You can't, I, I can't buy parts. I can't get anything. I can't get prices. I can't get anything. So is that really going to be a viable commercial system for everyone? Oh, how everywhere? are
2: these universities getting, skirting that?
0: They're actually being given um, surplus by the military. Well, that's that's oh, how oh.
2: Oh. a Can lot of Can you apply the, for that?
0: No. Can't get that either. But a lot of the federal groups that are flying them uh u s g s NOAA, and the rest are getting freebies from uh military surplus, so you can't you still can 't go out and buy one, and even if you could i like Gene said, most of these are kind of classified systems or controlled systems that i 've asked before for copies of the manuals and the specs and whatnot no way jose so i don't even i don't even know how any of that is even working that 's a good question, gene.
1: Interesting little catch-22 that may have just popped its head up there. Even though they are certified as commercial, you can't buy one.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I did but is that ask. But kind if of
2: giving them a monopoly in this field?
1: What? If, 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 oh,
2: their spec, if their specs are being written for that aircraft, give or take a little. I mean, now I know we're taking some liberties, but, you know, that type <laughs> of aircraft – has already had the certifications it's already had the testing guns got it the manuals it's got the part manuals their their foot's in the door. somebody like say when gene was building when gene was building aircraft would yours would yours meet these specifications do you think gene your wing
1: I don't have an eight hundred dollar hammer to use on it, so probably
2: not
0: well, even larger that is exactly uh, what no. I was.
2: So technically, would that that say that the aircraft wouldn't be viable in the NAS? I mean, I'm just asking.
0: Technically, that is correct. Now, when I I was still a part of the ASTM thing, uh, you know, they were talking about manuals. I said, okay, that's great. We got the standard. What are the manuals going to look like? Well, there'll be manuals. You'll have to write some manuals. You know, and I'm like, okay, are uh, they going to look like the ones for the Piper Cub? Are they going to look like F-18, somewhere in between? What, what are we talking about here? And we couldn't get any consensus on that. And I had said, well, you know, we need a, some sort of boilerplate PDF that a guy can fill out, you know, Joe Bag of Donuts, you know, aircraft name, the donut hole, you know. Yada, yada. And so they would all be the same in uniform. Oh, yeah, we got to do that. And, you know, Egan's right. So I've since left that for we know why because I wrote an article about it. But uh, my point with that is, is so there is no small business representation on any of this. And what you're going to have is that military manual that or, or those specifications that Gene laid out. So you doesn't get a have,
2: copy of the article you wrote. Can you read that. Uh,
0: at the dot if you it, uh, it you can search uh, for ASTM. Basically, I'm talking okay. about the article when I left ASTM because they were okay. not going to make the standards public. To um, I mean I that, that was oh okay okay I, I didn't know. If trying you, to get uh, folks, uh, where
2: to go when you're talking about this, where they could go see it if they want to verify.
0: Well, and that is exactly one of the reasons uh, that, that I left, you know, we can't, I don't think it was a, uh, you weren't, it wasn't a square game. And so this deal, back to the Hail Mary is going to be a non-square game. I'm going to pull this in. These are going to be the regs. These are going to be the regs for 10 years or 15 years. Um, And you're going to have to deal with it. If you want to operate a legal business. Now, you know, in the news, and usually we do that first, but we didn't, I, I don't know if you saw the video or you guys saw the video, but there was some guy at a wedding and he basically was taking wedding photography and he flew his quadcopter into the the groom's face. No, so, I haven't seen that one. Oh, yeah, it's bee beelines, right, for the dude's melon. So, you know, that's <laughs> cool. Some people like No, that. no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I know, well, I'm being <laughs> facetious. But the thing with that is, is now, so that was obviously the dude's buddy, because if that wasn't, if you were a wedding photographer and you hired out and did that and you don't have insurance or whatever else, man, you are in deep doo-doo. Can you imagine the lawsuit on that one? And that's See, the, the thing the I don't think. the
2: funny thing is, this, this is a catch-22 that you bring up. Okay, how are you going to get insurance for something that is technically illegal? They
0: say they will ensure on that, but I mean, you know, again, I've come back on that, and it's like, just in this case here, I mean, you know, technically, you could get, you know, the the groom's got a cut-up face. You ruined my wedding. I spent $50,000. I want my money back. You know, he's got trauma. Anytime he sees a quadcopter now, even on YouTube— he, he he goes into cold sweats. He needs medication, yada, yada. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you could – and then is the insurance company going to come in and defend you on that and, and pay out, you know, a million dollars?
2: I doubt I it. They could say I what mean, you're doing is illegal. That's the catch-22. You're you right. applying an illegal operation. Therefore, there's no way we can ensure you have a nice day.
0: And the other thing is at this point, the other point I try to make to people is, is there, you know, ignorance of the law is no uh, excuse and you cannot, there is nobody who can say, oh, I didn't know that this was the the rules. It, it, plausibly. I mean, you'd have to be hiding under a rock there's so much information out there it's not like before but that was one thing you know even this kids 22 you're talking about i think that was detrimental to the causes a lot of people ran out and said oh i got a letter from an attorney that said it's not illegal i'm good to go
2: <laughs> remember that guy
0: <laughs> i do he's got a great big site with a big following with a lot of other guys who yeah. you know oh i'm the i'm the pooba man i'm the rcap pooba And there are other people that believe the same thing, but the the ironic part of that I
2: still throw back to the FAA has not really made too many public stands at our at the the level we're doing the the civilian commercial level. They have not done that. It's been very difficult to get information from them, and you have to know where to look for it. And we've had times when we've known where to look for it, it's been difficult. So I think some of that they aren't doing a very good job of getting the word out, and and people don't believe it unless they, you know, really can see it in black and white, and, it, and it's tough. It is I mean, tough.
0: I think I mean,
2: they're I think they're not helping the situation. It's yeah, kind of like, there's a speed limit. I equate this to I tell people this all the time, you know, if the speed limit's 60 miles per hour, but everybody's running 80, and nobody's there to say, hey, you know pull you over, say you shouldn't be doing this, people are going to continue to do it. And that's exactly what's happening with this industry. There's people that are doing it rogue and, you know, hey, when I get caught, I'll stop. And that's and not what we want.
0: It is not what we st- want. And the, the two things that I, I want to add to that is, one, really the the people that are really uh, backed off of doing this are the people that are uh, aviation people, one. So, you know, we talk about this. Oh, it's all about the safety of the NAS and do no harm. Okay, well, the group of people that you pulled right out are the aviation people. They've had to back off because they're the only ones with certificates. That is a good that
2: point. That is, yeah, so, that is a valid point.
0: Yeah, and and, and then the information thing, this latest pl- uh, clarification that they put out does say that you cannot use AC-9157 if you are a commercial entity. Because people were saying, "Oh, I'm a rec. I'm I'm an a- amateur. Amateur is synonymous for well. You remember this? Cause remember, even in the early days when guys were like, "Oh, well, yeah, you can tell your wife that you're making some money with your hobby money because you spent, you know, five thousand dollars on ho- hobby stuff in the last six months. Well, now you can tell your wife you're making money, um, and it's all feel good. Well, the amateur guy is basically a hobbyist who will pick up any money that's there." You know that that's his thing, but I don't think he, they realize the uh, seriousness of what they're doing. Like the the video that was mentioned. I'm an amateur drone guy, and I whacked it in my buddy's face. So when you yeah, I was, at,
2: I was at a boat race last fall, and there was a guy running flying a quadcopter over where they're racing, and these boats were running anywhere from eighty to one hundred miles per hour, plus overcrowded people, and you just looking at going, what is he doing? But
0: a lot of okay. people, they're they either uh, not not so bright or they don't understand um, what they're up against and, and whatever the case Well,
2: but, it's kind know. of like my flight instructor told me. He says, you can, when you fly and you get a bad habit, you could probably get away with it 99% of the time, but it's that 1% that your bad habit caught up with you, it's going to bite you in the rear end.
0: Yeah, and that, that know, rear end so could People be... are
2: getting away with it. They're not crashing. Okay, the wedding case is an example It did bite him in the rear end, but... There's a lot of this stuff going on where, you know, they are getting away with it, if you will, and and not really having safe practices, which really kind of I find scary.
0: It is scary. It, it compromises the safety of the nest. So the go-forward plan is, I think we, you know, uh, we're running long, but the go-forward plan, is, in my mind, uh, is one thing, but I don't want to prejudice that, so... uh You know, maybe maybe one of uh, either you, Rick, or Gene, would like to maybe talk about the go-forward plan.
1: For our Kappa? Yes, sir. Uh, I think that uh, we should begin a membership drive again. I think we should uh, revitalize the website. Yep. If... uh, if we can contact any of the members, the existing members that are out there, we should do so. We should re-energize this and we should press ahead with that voice again. And I think it's viable.
2: Also, I think um, Patrick had said too that the people in the industry in general need to step up a little bit. Uh, the vendors, the manufacturers, whatever, you know, that that would add that would help the situation. I think a lot versus just individuals as well. We want both, trust me.
0: Well, we need both. And, uh, you know, it is really, I mean, I, even at the AUBSI thing, I had a gentleman beating me up, telling me I'm doing it wrong. You know, I need to go and talk to another a GIS group. And, you know, they're the ones that are going to break this deal open. And uh, they got the juice the and they can make it happen. And I'm like, you know, I've heard this before. But, I mean, are you insinuating, and it's hard not to come off like a jerk, but, I mean, I mean, are you telling me You're that pretty good at that. I am. People say that. But, I mean, is it like, are you telling me it's a Jersey sunshine? But are you telling me <laughs> that, like, I need to go on my own money and my time to go educate another group about what they can do for themselves or me or I mean if you're already a member of this group, how come and you're an expert, how come you're not educating them? I don't really have the lock on this. That's how I kinda tell people. I mean, I, I know where all the bones are buried and I've been here for a long time and and, and all the rest of that, but it's it's a bandwidth issue. And that's a lot of, you know, well, another thing with the the blowtorch thing. People go, oh, well, he's kind of a blowtorch. I don't have unlimited time and money to go talk to people and wait 10 years well, for, for mean, answers.
2: You don't necessarily, as we've all pointed out with our cap, but we're not, we don't have a hidden agenda. We're not driven by anything other than trying to get the word out there and make it so people can fly. You know, we don't have, you know, Big Brother behind us supporting us or anything like that. I mean, we're pretty free, if you will, and not hamstrung by certain things. And I right. think that's the one thing that's good about the group.
0: Well, I do think that people also have to be a little bit realistic. Um, you know, remember, I mean, we have, how many times people say, well, you know, you're not really encompassing what I want to do in our Kappa." You know, the proposed guidelines were very good. Those guidelines went all around the world, CAP 722, all the rest of that stuff. I, I believe that parts of those were absorbed into other efforts um you know i think people have to be realistic um also you know we can't we can't uh be everything to everyone i mean we have to try and get crack the door open but as far as objective groups go this one's the only one and i even in my conversation with the associate administrator for aviation safety a, a month ago i told her you know you have to understand where I'm coming from. I'm not trying to sell any airplanes. I'm not trying to do anything besides sell a, a notion or concept where this business is a business or is viable for small business in the future in the United States. End of story. Yep.
1: Yep. I'm,
0: I'm not, I'm not trying to sell global Hawks at $250 million a copy. That's, that's not my deal. I want to, you know, I used Tad McGear as an example, as a garage tinkerer, but, you know, his aircraft came out of the garage. So when you see like an aeroson or something, you go, hmm, oh, oh, the aerosol, it's this program of record. Yeah, 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 it came out of the garage and he, you know, they made it. That's all I'm thinking about for the future of this this industry. Is aircraft like that and guys like that and guys like people that are listening, guys and gals, whatever, that you can do this too. That's And that's kind of been the ethos of our Kappa. You guys agree with that or did I miss it?
1: Nope, nope, it's always been I that agree way. Haven't changed. We've been very consistent on it. So let's move ahead with that same message.
0: Yeah, we need to do that. And now the other thing is, is anybody that doesn't like what I have to say, you call Rick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: nice.
0: <laughs> I know you like that one. That's happened before. You've gotten the earful. You, right? you
2: did to expand on what you were saying a little earlier was kind of interesting. A long time ago. Well, you know. When when this was kind of cutting-edge stuff, it still is, but, I mean, when the whole concept was being kind of people, as you say, in their garage were coming up with stuff and and doing designs and figuring things out, you made the comment to go, as soon as that happened in 2007 when the FAA kind of said, hey, it's illegal, and and then nothing was happening for a couple years, you go, well, then the Chinese are going to be, you know, coming out with this stuff where you could buy it for, you know, something that could take a picture for a couple hundred bucks. And yeah, last Christmas I was in Brookstone. You could buy one of those gyrocopters for 200 bucks. I'm not saying it's the best for safe, but I mean, you could buy one. And I think some of the uncertainty with uh, the FAA and and dragging their feet has helped kind of kill that entrepreneur um, attitude to a certain extent. That we would have been further ahead with this technology, and who knows what it could have come out from it in the last six, seven years.
0: Well, we're starting to get a, a dose of what's what's happening with that technology from overseas, because you can fly, you know, legally in, in Europe and, and uh, Australia and Japan. I'm, yeah. Japan's got over fourteen thousand certificated operators, so we know what it can do. Um, we just need to have a group that has, let's say, accountability, and then they can go and ask for accountability from the uh, FAA. So I would say, you know, stay on the uh, stay on the lookout for changes at our cap. But we're going to try and uh, get things rolling. If you want to help out, I think you can still join, um, or you can email. You could email me, Patrick at susnews.com, dot com, or. You know, can they get a hold of – is your email still work through the r or Rick?
2: Well, I believe so, yeah.
0: And you want to give that?
2: Yep. Oh, c-a-n-d-c at net. You can get me directly that way. So it's okay. c-a-n-d-c at cox.net.
0: All right. And, um, <clears throat> you know, anything you'd like to add, Gene, before we conclude today's program?
1: No, I think we 've got a clear course, and I think that uh there's going to be some exciting things in store for us
0: and I would encourage people to get involved there's pl- there's always room for more people to get involved, and uh that many hands make light work that 's how I think Agreed. I would close it. All right. Well, Rick, um, you know, thanks for coming on and uh, talking with me and Gene. Oh, yeah. And the other thing I guess we should have mentioned is Gene is a board member of R Kappa, and I am a board member of R Kappa. We tried to get uh, uh, Mel Duval on, who is a board member of R Kappa, and then also Ira Buckley, but uh, both of them had previous engagements. Um, Mel was on a vacation, going on a vacation to Europe. I tried to get him to cancel, but he said no.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, that's good. Full disclosure.
0: Hey, exactly. Uh, and then Ira's working seven days a week. So that's okay. We'll we'll follow this up in the future. Um, Rick, we we'll want to get you out at the US U S U S B expo next year, maybe uh do a, a presentation and uh, tell people what we're doing. We'll we'll probably do some news stories and whatever else in the future. Anyway, thank you for coming on, sir.
2: All right. Thank you for having me.
0: And uh we'll listen, or we'll have I guess Talk to everyone next week.
2: Okay. Oh, I did hear, on a, on a parting note, I did hear that the Cracker Barrel was possibly in the Smithsonian these days.
0: Not yet, but I'm working on it. We did do the TED Talk.
1: <laughs> it's pretty good. I'll send you the link. All right, see everyone All right,
2: next talk week. Talk to you
1: later. Bye. Bye.